Welcome to Salem First Assembly Podcast. May this week's message by Pastor Brian D. Corkin be a blessing to your life in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's Word, strengthen your faith, and equip you to become all that God has created you to be. And the five C's, or five choices, now this is important, five choices to build strong relationships outward to others and upward to God. The first one we talked about, and we talked about the second one last week, communication and commitment. I'm going to go over them quickly this morning, but the three we're going to cover today is closeness, collaboration, and confidence. Now, these five C's are important for us to develop in our relationship horizontally or vertically. All right? So look at your neighbor and just tell them, I'm ready and as we're ready, let's get into this. And I pray, I pray that you here and even those watching online, that this will be a blessing to you in your relationship with those around you and your relationships with God. Really important. So last week when we talked about communication, I told you about this. Look at the screen here. The screen about communication. These are five levels of communication. Now you have to understand, just because you're communicating doesn't mean someone's really hearing what you're saying. We talked about that as well last week. I'm not going to go deep into it. I'm just going to cover it a little bit today and cover a little bit more on prayer in the aspect of communication. But let's say these five levels. Let's look at them now. First of all, you have cliches. You know, a cliche is something where you might just say to someone, you don't know them, you say, hey, good morning. How are you today? Great day. It's just something small. It's nothing, it's nothing that is a big communication. There's no risk. And then you can get into a conversation and you can share facts. Hey, it's raining outside really bad. You're going to need that umbrella. And that's just things we could say to a total stranger. And it's just either a cliche or it is some type of fact. And, you know, when you share those two levels, you're really not putting your neck out. See, it's very simple. And you can do it for anyone. But where it really changes is the three levels of personal opinion, then what you're feeling, and then here's a big one, what you need. The two levels that are greatest is when you can tell someone how you're feeling. Really open up, be vulnerable, and also not only about your feelings, but then say, you know, this is what I really need. Because you're asking them to help you in a certain way. I, I've been with people, and um, they've been in some very difficult situations, and, and sometimes someone would just say to me, Pastor, could you do me a favor? Could you read me some scripture? Or, or there's been times where they'll say, Pastor, just do me a favor. Just let me, hold my hand. Just hold my hand. And, and it's just because they're just needing this at the moment because they're going through something, and when a person can tell you how they're feeling, I'm feeling really lousy right now. And But this is, you know what I need? And then you say, in the, but you know what I need? And then they'll tell you what you need, what they need that they think that would be helpful in the present situation. And so we're going to talk about that because you and I need to really understand that God has communicated to us his love. And his need that he wants you to understand is he wants a relationship with you. You know, John 3.16. How many of you know John 3.16? Raise your hand. Yeah, yeah. Look at them all. Listen, John 3.16 tells us, for God so loved the world that he gave. And when he gave his best, 
He gave his son. He was showing you the depths of his love. I want you to understand something that Romans 5, 8, while we were yet sinners, what happened? God died on the cross for us. We didn't deserve it, but he did something good for you, even though you didn't deserve it. Once again, love of action, showing you we need a savior. And his love was demonstrated to us to the deepest of levels that he suffered for you and I. Now, when we talk about communication, I wanted to cover a little deeper the communication of prayer because all through scripture, you see God communicating, verbal communicating with his prophets and with his people. In the New Testament, we see Jesus saying, if my sheep hear me, they know my voice. I want you to understand that. Do you know the voice of God? God is always communicating, but the problem that people always say, how do I know? You know by spending time in prayer with God. The more time you spend with someone, the more you get to know their voice. For example, a lot of people have said this to me. I'm on the phone and they say, I knew it was you. And I would say, well, how do you know it was me? Other than, you know, caller ID. But how do I know? He says, your voice gave it away. Your accent gave it away. And so people hang around with you long enough, they get to know your voice. The more time you spend with God, the more you get to know his voice. Amen? Amen. So let's look at this first one here. I take you to Matthew chapter 6, and this is where Jesus teaches his disciples a prayer. It's really a disciple prayer, and it covers items that relate to God and relate to each other. That's what the prayer is. The prayer was not to be said over and over again like it's holy. No, a prayer is sacred happening in the heart of an individual communicating to the heart of God. That's what makes prayer sacred. It's not what we're saying, but it has to be attached to the heart, two hearts that are connected. That's where prayer takes place. And he teaches this prayer. You know it. You can kind of uh, say it to yourself as we go along here, but our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth that is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from all evil. Now, I want you to get this. Jesus is teaching us how to pray. Pray like who are we praying to? God, who's holy, who's in heaven. How great is the name of the Lord, that his kingdom, he has a kingdom, and his will will be done. God, that your will will be done. These are prayer offerings that say, be kingdom-focused to God. And then, after he focuses vertical, then he goes horizontal, talking about your daily bread, giving thanks, forgiving those who offend you, forgive all our debtors, and then lead us not in temptation. These are all these things that focus on us, our life. That's what prayer is. Prayer is just taking your heart to God. It's communication. Now, let, me, let me move on real quick, just aspect of communication. I want to just deal a little bit with prayer. This other one I want to bring you to Matthew chapter 6. And it teaches how we are to communicate to God in prayer. Just because, you know, people use big words and people so often won't pray because they're afraid. Listen, listen, listen. This may be talking to some of you. You're afraid to pray because you're more concerned about what other people think. And I have a word for you. 
It's Greek. It's kind of a few words together. I'm just going to put it in the phrase. I hope you get this. It's kind of Greek. You get this. Get over it. It's not about other people. You're not talking to them. You're talking to God. This is a sacred time between your heart. You're communicating your heart to his heart. Listen to what he says in Matthew chapter 6. He says, when you pray, not if, but when you pray, go into your closet and when you shut the door, pray to your father that is in secret and your father which sees you in secret will reward you openly. There's a benefit to praying. It's called answers will reward you openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions. You're just saying it because you think it's something holy to say. As the heathen do, for they think they shall be heard from their much speaking. I want you to understand God's not concerned in how long you pray. God wants the heart. You could be a whole hour in prayer, but you could be thinking about all kind of other things, doing all kind of other things. But in real tightness of talking to God, see, it's not the length of time, it's the heart of your communication. It's really important. So God is really big on communication. He is constantly communicating to the whole world that he exists. Matter of fact, matter of fact, check this out. The Bible says in Romans 1 that everything God has created is speaking to you and I that he exists because of his creation. He is the intelligent design of everything we see. It's amazing. Look at your neighbor and just tell them, you look amazing. That's right, because they are. They are fearfully and wonderfully made. Let me, let me take you to one more. I'm going to take you to Philippians. Uh, this is really important. This is a, a powerful portion of Scripture. And also part of this Scripture is one that I love. But this is where you pray with a focus you're praying to communicate to God and listen to the heart when you communicate to God. Look at it. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Be careful for nothing, but, but in everything. Come on now. Look at that word. Everything. By prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God. How many want the peace of God? Mm, don't get me going which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. You see what happens in prayer communication? It's got to go upward. And I'm going to tell you, the more you communicate with God, the more time you spend with God, the more peace you'll have, the more of his presence you'll have, the more discernment you'll have, the more of God you'll have in you, because the more time you spend with God, all that you learn, you'll carry wherever you go. So communication is really important. You want your relationships to be great, you need to communicate. We've covered that last week. I want to bring a little bit more on the communication vertical this week. Communication is so important. If you didn't watch or listen to last week's message, go listen to the first part and let the second part build on the first part so you can have the best relationship horizontally and vertically. All right, let's move on. Let's go to commitment. We talked a little bit about commitment last week. Let me just mention a few things. And I'm going to just take you, because when it comes to commitment, well, that's a word that people don't like, because commitment is a word that uh, I don't want to commit. I want my avenues to be open. Uh, yet, yet, they want so many commitments from other areas of their life. 
it's kind of funny how commitment sometimes is a one-sided street. Let me bring you, though, to Matthew chapter 22. And listen to the strong words Jesus talks about commitment to those who follow him, those who believe him. Look what he says. Jesus was asked, teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? At that time, there was 613 Jewish laws that they had to follow. And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is, listen to it, this is the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. For all the law of the prophets hang on these two commandments. Jesus took two commandments, condensed them to two out of 613 laws, religious laws at the time. Jesus says, love God with all heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. You take all the laws, hang these two. That's pretty important. That's called commitment to love God with all heart, mind, and soul. Now ask yourself a question. How committed are you to God? Do you love God with all heart, mind, and soul? Now, people tell me all the time, I do, Pastor. I really do. And you ask them to do something. Oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. No, my car, my car don't go that far. Uh, they have excuses like a crazy. Now, if you're going to love God, you're not going to be thinking about you. You're going to be thinking about God because love does. Look at your neighbor and just tell them love does. So commitment is so much part of love. And today we have a a culture that kind of discourages commitment. Everybody wants to live together, but we don't want to marry the guy or marry the woman. You know, people want their needs met, but they don't want to do anything for it. They just want the benefits and the blessings. You know, it's true. It's true that, you know, today people don't even want to go to work and be faithful at what they're doing, but they want the paycheck. They want all the benefits, but they don't want to commit to anything. You ask them to do something, I don't know, we'll see what's happening. Uh, You know, we'll have to see. Can't commit. But God's asking for a commitment. God's asking us to truly be all in because he was all in for you. And you know what's funny? I tend to believe this. Listen to me. Love is always in. Because the things you love, you never have to worry about commitment on. It's like like when you really love someone or you really love God, whether it's horizontal or vertical, and you're all in, boy, I tell you what, it's like, sure, anything. What, What do you need, God? No matter. It's love does. And commitment is part of that. It's about relationship. And so when you have communication, real good communication, you'll also have good commitment. But when communication breaks down, that's when your commitment is always going to start to suffer. In the scripture, you see God speaking about this word commitment to families, to neighbors, to employees, to church, commitment to our own health. We have the things we do, the things we ask, the things we say. Listen to this strong commitment that Jesus communicates. And we find this in the book of Luke, chapter 9. I'm just going to tell you a little bit of commitment. This is my last scripture, so on commitment. And then I'm going to get some fresh stuff. Look at your neighbor and say, he's going to give me some fresh stuff. (laughs) Hey, listen, Luke 9, this is what it says. Then he said to them all, if anyone would come after me. He must deny himself, take up the cross daily, and follow me. 
For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. Verse 25, look at verse 25. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Did you hear commitment? I mean, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. God wants a commitment. When you say, yes, I'm going to follow Jesus, it's not just because you want to get to heaven. You have a love affair with Jesus. You want God. You know what he's done for you. You are committed to him. Why? He was committed to you. I mean, he died while you were yet a sinner. He's reaching out to you even now, those online. He's reaching out to you even now, no matter where you are, whatever you've done wrong, God is there. God's with you. He's committed to you. Yes, even if you're not. That's love. That's love. So we have communication. We have commitment. Now, when you have communication and commitment and you have them in a horizontal in relationships here, something takes place. I want to move in to the next C. It's called closeness. Closeness. You get close. When you have communication with God and commitment with God, you get close to God and God gets close to you. Because the more you press in, the more you start to discover. The definition for closeness is this. And there's two definitions here. The first definition of closeness is in distance. You know, the quality of being only a short distance away. Or the other closeness is the depth of relationship. It's the depth of affection and the intimacy in your relationship. It's the feeling and knowing of being connected. See, people so often say, me and God, we're like this. And I kind of chuckle sometimes because... They don't spend no time with God. They have a knowledge of God, but they don't really know God. It's like someone knowing someone by name, but you don't know the person. It's a big deal. And if you want to be close to someone, you have to be able to get to the heart of that person. You've got to be able to want to hear what they're saying and, and, and really get to know who they are. You know, when you talk about Closeness, if you look at all the studies out there, and I started to look at all the studies and started to read them, and, I, and I, it would take a long to read all the studies. And so I condensed it, what I, in my research, I condensed this. And so people who have close relationships, we're talking about horizontal right now, people who have close relationships with their spouses and their families and with their friends, it shows that they have lower rates of anxiety, lower rates with depression. They have a higher self-worth. They have a greater amount of empathy that they show to other people. Um, they, they are people who are trusting and cooperative in other relationships. And they have strong, healthy relationships because they feel connected to the people they are surrounded with. Here's a good one that I thought was really great, and this, meant, this came up on a few of the studies, that when you feel close to someone, it can affect your immune system. It affects your health. You know, you laugh more. 
You know, it, it, it even showed that people who are close to, to people and have a good relationship with people. It also said in one that they can recover from disease faster and health problems. They even have longer life. This, this is important. Now, think about this. If you're close to God and you have a problem, how many have a problem? Raise your hand. Yeah, yeah, we all have a situation or circumstance or we're praying for a family member or whatever it is. Yeah, we, can, we know there's problems out there. Jesus said, be of good, uh, you shall have trials and tribulations, but whoa, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So we know that we're going to face some trials. But if we're communicating with God, we're committed to God, and we feel close to God, and we bring him into the present situation, does that not change the way you look at things? Does it not change your attitude? Does it not change your joy factor? Because you recognize, like, wait a minute, wait a minute. My God has this. Look at your neighbor and just tell him, my God has this. Yeah, yeah, my God has this. Because it's so important to know. And when you're close to God, you don't fret as much. Because you have this daily relationship with God, and you're meeting with God daily, and God's meeting with you, and it's helping you. Now, I'm going to tell you from personal experience. You ready for this? You ready for this? Come on, come on, Pete. Let me have your eyes. Let me have your eyes. Listen, listen. You still have bad days. (laughs) You still have some storms. You still wake up sometime, and the water is in your boat. And sometimes you say, God, God, we're close here. (laughs) Help. And guess what he does? In his time, He helps. And when he does, I'm going to tell you something what I just learned just recently, is that when he does, and you give him the ability or you give him the room to say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you at your time, he'll do it. He will do it. He will show up and show off and remind you of things that sometimes you need to be reminded. It's closeness. Closeness is so important. When it comes to the Lord, how close do you want to be? How close are you? I mean, just give it a number from 1 to 10. How close do you feel you are to the Lord? And is there room for improvement? And nobody here is 10. Nobody. I'm going to say nobody's a 9. Because <laughs> there's so much to learn and grow. But you have to have a desire. You know, you, you got you to gotta, you gotta have an aim. So let me just share a couple of scriptures with you, seeing what God says to us. In Psalms 145, Verse 18, it says this. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. It's important. You want to go God's way? God is near to you who call on him. God is near to you if you say, God, help. God, come into this present situation. How about this one? James 4, 8. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I don't care how far you are. You're in sin right now. You're so far from God. Well, if you read the finish of that text, it's talking about that. And guess what? God said he's near to you if you draw near to him. He'll change your situation. He'll change your perspective. He'll change where you are. He will make a change and make a way that seems to be no way. But, but, but you have a choice to make. We all have a choice to make. Look at your neighbor and say, I have a choice to make. <laughs> Look at John, John 15, 4. John 15, 4. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. God wants you close. Just whisper to your neighbor, God wants you close. God wants you close. 
He does. He wants you close. He wants you connected to the vine because when you're connected to the vine, he'll do things just in time and what he needs to do in your life because you are taking time to connect with God. It's the same thing. If you're going to grow in your relationship with those that God has placed in your life, it's a relationship of communication, then commitment, then, of course, closeness. It, it, it just happens. But if you don't have communication and commitment, you won't have no closeness because you're not committed or you're not communicating. You're not sharing. You're not really expressing. And so how can it happen? So these are step by step of just leading in the direction that God wants. Now, today is Palm Sunday, and all of you received palms when you came in. And so I just want to take a moment and read the text there, found in John chapter 12, verse 12, and it says this, and I want you to get this because we're talking about closeness. The next day, the great, a great crowd that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it as is written. Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's coat. At first, his disciples did not understand this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that they had been done these things to him. Now watch this. This prophecy here is coming from the book of Zechariah. And Zechariah was written about 500 years before this actually took place. Jesus on his death, as we start to celebrate Good Friday coming up, Isaiah was 600 years before that was fulfilled. I want you to understand something. Jesus comes riding on a donkey, and a donkey was a symbol at that time of donkey of peace. Riding on a horse is a symbol of war. And so, so that being said, I want you to understand, they're saying Hosanna, and to us, we just think it sounds nice in a song. But Hosanna back then came from two Hebrew words that simply meant save us, save us. And so I want you to understand they are crying out to be saved. But here's the point that I want to make about closeness. Notice that this great crowd heard about Jesus, was on his way to Jerusalem, and they met him. And when they met him, to honor him, they took their clothing and they took palm branches and they laid it down before the donkey so he could walk to give him honor, recognizing who he was, fulfilling a prophecy that was about a little bit over 500 years old. God is in it to win it because he loves you. you got to realize he has done so much. Now, there's a lot of times people don't want to listen to what God's word says. They're just so set on their own ways. But one day we're going to stand before God. God wants to be close to us. We have to want to be close to him. These individuals left their responsibilities they left their home. They traveled. They did what they had to do. This great crowd, a lot of people had the same idea when they heard Jesus was coming into Jerusalem. And they went out to meet him. Why? Why did they leave what they were doing, leave their responsibility, and make this a priority? They wanted to be close to Jesus. They recognized who he was. 
God was fulfilling prophecy because these individuals really believed in who God was. I want you to get this. This is important. Listen to what the Lord says. Oh, listen to what the Lord says. Psalms 145, 18. The Lord is near to all that who call on him and who call in truth. Now, I want you to get this, that if he's, if the scripture we said before, and this, and the reminder again, that if you call on him, he will be close to you. Do you want God to be close to you? You have to want that. God so loved the world that he gave. He wanted to be close to you. He wanted you to bring you in. James 4, 8, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. He wants to be close to you. God has did all this, all this to be close. So the question is, how close do you want to be to God? How intentional, what will you change so that you can start building a greater, better relationship with God? Which that leads me to our fourth C. What is it? Collaboration. The definition for collaboration is the action of working together with someone to produce or create something. You say collaboration in relationship? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's huge. It's huge. Why is it huge? Well, it's mainly huge because, believe it or not, God wants to work with you. You know, there's people who may not want to work with you, but God certainly wants to work with you. In a relationship, your relationship is only going to be as good as you work together. A lot of times, people don't want to work together. They're what they call uh, chiefs. and They don't want to sometimes work with the Indians. But the reality is, to make the tribe strong, everybody has to work together. And so I want to show you a few things about collaboration. It's just working together. It's where we're dependent on one another. It's when we're focusing on an accomplishment or a goal that we've set or a place we want to go. We're working together with our giftings and what you have, and you're bringing it to the table, and you are working together. You are networking with sometimes it could be just two people. It could be a group of people. To try to get to a certain destination or get something accomplished or to create something that there's a need. And studies have proven that people who practice correct, uh, co- um, when people uh, practice collaboration, communication, it says they experience an overwhelmed satisfaction in their relationship. They get close to each other because they're working problems out. People sometimes just want to run from people, and then they don't grow. So when a relationship is collaborative, it, is, it will bring strength to the problem solving, to, you know, to your life, because you're faced with how do we solve the problem, and you have to work with that individual. You work with your spouse. You work with your family member. You work with your friend. You know, um, I remember uh, when I was younger, I, I used to build cars and stuff, and sometimes I would have my friends help me out on my car, and, and we would have problems about how to solve this, and we would put our heads together to get how to solve this particular problem, or how can we do this um, on this vehicle, and so we would just work on it together, and when we finished it, we would just really rejoice, like, this was great, man, this was teamwork, because there's no I in team. It's just people putting their hands to the plow and and getting it done. When people really are working together, there's a 
closeness that helps the collaboration. Because while you work with someone, you get close to them. You get to see their heartbeat, hear their heartbeat, and see their heart. And that's important. I like this portion of scripture. Um, it's found in Ecclesiastics. And uh, it's found in chapter 4. Look, look, read with me on this one here. And it starts at verse 9 in chapter 4. It says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will stand him. Three-fold cord is not easily or quickly broken. What is this scripture saying? It's simply saying that you're stronger, you're better together. Now, I want you to get this. We can understand that in a horizontal for relationships, you know, Working problems out. But where does that come with God? How does God want to collaborate with you? Does God really need you? Think about it. Well, I'm so glad you asked me that. I'm so glad you asked that question. Does God really need us? Hey, the answer is yes. Look at your neighbor and tell yes. Yes, 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 yes. Listen to what it says in Ezekiel. This is one of my favorite scriptures. I have a lot of favorite scriptures. But this one here I read every day. And I have it in my office, right at my computer screen. And I've had it there for years. And Ezekiel says this, 22, verse 30. I looked for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it. But I found none. So I will pour out my wrath on them and consume them with my fiery anger, bringing down on their own heads all they have done, declares the sovereign Lord. I want you to get this now. God's about to bring judgment on the people of God, as the people of Israel, because the people of Israel have done some really terrible things, killed innocent people, served a bunch of gods, sacrificed their children. I mean, it's some bad stuff. And these are individuals who knew better just like some of us who know better, but we go do all kind of crazy stuff and we forget God. And we find ourselves so far from God because we forget God. And God says, I need someone to stand in the gap. I need someone who really knows me and can build a wall of defense and pray on their behalf and really work on their behalf. But as he looked for a man to stand in the gap, there was nobody he could find. I want you to get this for a second. God is looking for individuals to truly corroborate corroborate with him and to work together with him, and yet no one wants to work with him because they're so focused on their own life. They're focused on their own agendas. They're focused on all their gut to-dos and not spending no time with God, and before long they're doing everything but serve God God is looking. I, I, I just keep thinking, and my prayer is this for you, and my pray, I pray this for me, that, Lord, if you ever look for someone to use, I want to be available to stand in the gap to wherever I need to be for the sake so others may understand your grace. 
But God was looking and couldn't find anyone. And I want you to know that God's looking for someone to stand in the gap even in today's world that we live in. What a tragedy that God himself, who created everything seen and unseen, couldn't find someone to stand on behalf of the people because the people were all so crooked. It brings you back to the days of Noah when only Noah was there, righteous, and God saved his family because he was the only one righteous in all of the land because it was so wicked. And if you read Genesis, it'll say this, that every thought they had was a wicked thought. Just chew on that for a while. It didn't get there overnight, saints. Things, generations do not decay overnight. It is a slow erosion that takes place daily that ends up devastating the future. In Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, I love the portion of Scripture where God says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heaven is higher than the earth, so my ways higher than your ways, says And my thoughts higher than your thoughts, says the Lord. God wants to corroborate. My mouth is getting dry. With you. But you have to do the same to work with God. Let me go on to the next C. Confidence. Confidence. When you have communication and when you're committed, you get close. You start working on the same page with the Lord. Collaborating together and, 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 and working as, okay, Lord, we're in this to win it with you. What do you want me to do? And then something happens in you. you. You build up a confidence. You start to change. And there's a confidence that takes place. What is that? It, confidence is a definition, the feeling or belief that one can rely on someone or something firm with a firm trust. Get that? When you have confidence... You will rely on that. You'll, you'll trust it. Uh, and it, it, that don't happen overnight. And this is sort of like at the end. Because if you don't have the, f- the first four C's, your confidence is not going to be fully there unless those other four C's are there. It covers the gamut of relationship. And what does that mean? Well, it means this. When a relationship has confidence, it's because, watch this now, write this down, meaningful communication, Communication, meaningful communication. This is not weather talking, but we're talking about deep communication. Meaningful communication is active. Capitalize the word active. Second, that when you have confidence in a relationship, there's a steadfast commitment is seen daily. Number three, when we have confidence in a relationship, intimate closeness this is a biggie, is experienced. You need to experience that intimate closeness and you need to experience it on a daily basis. Then it goes on. If you have confidence in a relationship, you're going to have this constant collaboration which is happening with a focus to what you're doing for your present and for your future. And then, of course, all this will then produce the inner and outer confidence that will be felt and seen by others. And what am I saying? Every one of them is a brick. Now, you may be strong in 
one of those C's, but we have to work on all of the C's. But I would suggest what out of the five C's, which one do you need work on and start there? Because when you look at this confidence, we have to have confidence in God, but the only way we're going to have confidence in God is spending time with him, communicating with him, being committed. We've got to commit to the Lord. It's, gotta be, it's a relationship. We'll feel close. And then we're going to, he'll ask us to do things. We've got to get involved. We've got our hands dirty doing something for Jesus. Why? Because I have to? No. If you have to, that's duty. Because you want to, that's delight. That's a different change, a different attitude. Look what it says in Philippians. This is my, one of my life scriptures. Philippians is such a great book. And it says, be confident of this, that he who begun a good work in you will carry it to the completion until the day of Jesus Christ. I love this scripture. This is one of my life scriptures. Be confident of this very thing that he which begun a good work in you shall perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Meaning God starts the work. He works the work. He finishes the work. Don't worry. He's not done yet. Your life is still under construction. You just have to continue to trust him and put your confidence. Not in your ways, not in your thinking, but in God's ways and God's word. So you can direct you and help you. How about this one here? Hebrews 4, in verse 14, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. We say God's big. Well, we need to believe what God's word says. Verse 15, For we do not have a high priest, this is talking about Jesus, who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, is, no, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just say every way, say it every way, yes, every way, just as we are yet without sin. This, that's where that verse has power, without sin. Jesus never sinned, yet he was tempted. Verse 16, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy, find grace to help us in the time of of need. When you know your God is there and you remember all God that has done for you before, God has done so many things in your past, but you know we forget and we say, well, God, you haven't done it lately. And we forget what God has done. And we get so focused on so many things that drain us and not the things that God's word says that fills us. And all of a sudden our confidence goes out the window. Why? Because we listen to the wrong voice. We have a God who has been through Everything we have been through. He lived here for 33 and a half years. I want you to get this. He lived, example, came down here from heaven because he loves you, loves me, loves us all. Matter of fact, he loves the whole human race. He created it. But we need to have a confidence and know that he'll take care of whatever problem, but you have to put your confidence in him. Approach the throne of grace with confidence so that he may receive, that we may receive mercy and find grace and help in this present need. This is, a, this is something that you and I need to truly grab hold of. Let us come to the throne of grace with a confidence. Well, you can't go if you don't know God. Confidence only comes through relationship. I was just watching a movie the other day, if I probably mention it to you. You probably know it. 
And, and anyhow, the two friends got separated. There was a war, and he found his friend on the battlefield. And when he went to his friend and found him on the battlefield, the friend said, I knew you would come for me. Why? He had a confidence that he would be found by the one who he was close to. Why? Because friends don't leave friends wounded. They go and take them to a place of safety. Jeremiah 17, 7 says, But blessed is a man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. So what happens the next time you have a problem? You have to ask yourself, do you have confidence in anybody else, or does your confidence come in the Lord? God is bigger than your problem. Tell someone that God's bigger than your problem. So let me just close this and let's land the plane. So we've been talking about these five C's in relationship and that these five C's that work in earthly relationships, whether it's spouses or family members or friends, whatever relationship it is, these five C's will find some place in a earthly relationship. But they also play a just a big part in your heavenly relationship. And so I got on the screen here. Just a breakdown. If you want to grow in your relationship with the Lord, you need to communicate with God daily in prayer. It ain't going to happen. I don't care. You can read your Bible all the time, but if you're not communicating God, communication is a must. And prayer is a must. And Bible reading is a must. It all works together as one. Number two, if you want your relationship with the Lord to grow, you have to commit yourself to the Lord you got to first take him as Savior. Those watching online, if you've never asked Jesus to be your Savior, you, ne- you never asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins. It's so simple. A relationship with God Almighty happens when you just take your heart and you ask God to forgive you. That's what happened to me one day, and it changed my life big time. It will change your life too. Ask him to be your Savior Understand, you sinned, you've done your own thing, and God wants to forgive you of your sin and give you new life, wants to transform your life from the inside. And the Bible says, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus rose from the dead and died for your sins, and you'll be saved. It's a beautiful plan of accepting the gift that came at the cross. Commitment. Commit yourself to the cross. As the Bible, we talked about this portion of Scripture, take up thy cross daily. That's a commitment. And when you're committed and you're communicating, you're going to see yourself drawing closer to God. And when we draw close to God, it comes by intentionally working on this relationship with God. It comes by being intentional about your relationship. It has to be this way, closeness. Number four, collaboration is when it's a daily choice to obey the Lord. You're going to work with him. You're going to do what he asks you to do, and you're going to be obedient. Look at your neighbor and say, it's a big thing to be obedient. And if you're disobedient, and we're all disobedient in times of our life, okay? But when you're disobedient, that's why we get right with God real quick. 1 John 1, 9, confess your sins, and he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. It's a relationship. Remember Peter? Remember Peter? Did he make a few mistakes? But God always restored him. But why? Relationship. 
It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. Collaboration, and the last one, confidence. If you have a confidence in God, it's because you have your communication with God, you're committed to God, it draws you close, you're working with God, and now you're going to have a confidence in God, your Savior, who has begun a great work in you, and he will complete it as you follow his ways, his word, and to do his will. As you continue to worship him in spirit and truth, God will do a work in you, through you, and around you. It's important for each one of us to understand God has something for you. And it might have been tough. Life has been tough. It could be going a lot of stuff. But you know what? God's there. Give God some room to work. Stay faithful. Put your hands on the plow. Let, let everybody know that God's going to come through. Trust him. Communicate. Be committed. Be close. Work with God. And as you work with God, and God works with you, you will see a confidence that will take place in your heart and life. But you got to put Jesus first. got to put Jesus first. If he's not first, he's second. Let's go before Father. Father, we are so grateful for who you are. And I pray right now that if there's anybody here or watching online and they have not yet accepted you, I pray they make that decision right now. Even this Easter, I pray they find themselves in a place of worship. I pray they open their heart to the God of all creation, the one who you, who you love us so much, but you have done so much, Lord, to show us your love, to communicate to us your love. I pray right now, will you go before each one and those online, and I pray that they would make the greatest decision to make you their Savior, their God, their best friend. And I pray that they're in service this Sunday. I pray this right now in Jesus' name. And we give a big amen, amen, amen. Well, we thank you for joining us today. Let's continue to believe that God is going to do a work in all of our lives and in his church, despite our current circumstances. If you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey, 08079, or by visiting our website at salemfirstag.org. Please join us for service next Sunday at 10.30 a.m., or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean. Have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that life is living in faith every day.